Almost Good Podcast, the podcast about movies that almost make the cut, hosted by J. David Osborne and David James Keaton. Dave, how are you doing, man? Doing not too bad. Not too bad. I've watched a ton, ton of movies lately. That's good. That makes one of us. So um, (laughs) we are here to talk about Captain Marvel. Uh, So you you want to give us a quick Captain Marvel uh, rundown? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I, um, it was kind of crazy. I, uh, actually, I, I woke up this morning and, um, I found that, uh, you know, we, our clocks went forward, right? Yes, sir. Um, but I found out that not, not only had time jumped forward, um, amazingly so had humanity. <laughs> so, so what's crazy is that like sexism, racism, all cured. Like wow. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a slight adjustment an hour I'd have to deal with, but, but instead everything has been straightened out. This is that future I've been waiting for where once sexism, racism, and everything all cured, that means that we can assess movies like legitimately. We don't have to, you know, that means that for the Captain Marvel movie, the men's rights idiots, the incels and gamer gators, they won't underestimate it. And, you know, woke nation won't overestimate it. Right. And, And everyone can now evaluate it like exactly on its worth. Yeah. So incredibly, I'm here to report that it lands directly in the middle and it's not, it's not too bad and it's not too good. And it is exactly what I had hoped and dreamed could one day come true. Hold on. I'm, I'm lying. It's terrible. The movie's terrible. It's 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 garbage. (laughs) It's garbage. But if it would have been, if it would have been just right down the middle, it would that whole bit would have worked. But it's it's fucking bad. You couldn't you, you couldn't even play it out just for the bit. I, like you couldn't no, let it hang there. Just, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. It's. I would say. I would say it makes. I don't know. It's one of the worst I've seen yet. It. Um, the first half is unwatchable. Like, oh really? And by unwatchable, I mean you can't even see it. It's in this. Mer- now I saw it in a drive-in. So. I think that these are the kind of movies you shouldn't go see at a drive-in because you can't – there's a lot of haze, you know, a lot of light uh-huh. pollution. Right. You get the light pollution of the headlights coming in and um, there's actually a train that goes under the the fucking screen at this oh, place. That's dope. I went to this fucking terrible shantytown drive-in that I was desperate for any way to watch a movie with a baby. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't – at this point, you remember my Star is Born debacle. Yeah. So – I can't take a baby into a theater, um, but in a, in a car, you know, it, all hell could break loose and no one needs to know. Nope. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. The baby can scream and, you know, just like scream all you want. Nobody can hear you. But she actually slept through it anyway. So it worked out, but it's this, uh, it's a combination flea market drive-in. So they have like five screens and this kind of like panopticon lighthouse with all the projector beams coming out of it it mm. kind of looks it looks cool yeah but, but then you realize it's a terrible viewing experience because you're just you're just kind of in a parking lot in the middle of the city yeah and you're watching a, a very hazy movie and you can't really see it and sometimes and cars are going by in the front of you on the highway and every so often a train rolls under the screen that's wild man i wonder so, i wonder is it just for like do people still go to drive-ins to make out, or or what's the deal? Were people going well, at it, or what? Yeah, mystery solved. Um, everybody was getting wasted in their cars. It was just a cloud of 
pot smoke mm-hmm. <laughs> in that whole place. Right. And so I think that's just what people do. But I think it's also geared towards people with kids because every movie was a child's movie. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of cartoons playing at, you know, eight and nine at night. And uh, this was the best movie showing. I was desperate for anything. And um, Captain Marvel was the best of all. There was like a Medea goes to hell or some movie. (laughs) Medea scared stupid. Yeah, there was some real shit. Medea saves Christmas. Yeah, like a train your dragon 12 or something. Yeah, which apparently, like, according to the blurbs for that movie, they're like, the best film trilogy that's ever been made. And I'm like, we're all living in hell right now. This is just, this is, there's no way that, you know, somebody just wiped the Cheeto dust off their chest and was like, this is the best trilogy in the history of trilogies. It's like, have you seen, like, I don't know, maybe like The Godfather? And they're like, ah, well, <laughs> but did The Godfather have dragons? Then we would be talking. Or like the Smog Father, you know? Um, but anyway. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so it was a pretty bad experience all around. I mean, I, I, but actually I enjoyed it because I wanted to go see a movie and we made fun of it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You can kind of, you know, MS3K it because you're in yeah. your car. Right, right. Well, it you know, and it's one of those things, too, where, um, you know, I, I will not watch it. Um, but, I pro- you know, honestly, I probably will. I tend to see these things when they go to Netflix because, uh, you know, my niece or my nephew will end up watching it and I'll kind of come in. And this is how I watch The Incredibles, too. Um, they were just kind of watching it. And every once in a while, I would go out to make a sandwich or something. And I would look at what was on the screen and just be like, huh. All right, well, that's happening. Yeah. So, okay, cool. And I can already yeah. hear everybody just like just rattling their change cups. Like, oh, wait, 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 wait! Incredibles two is amazing. It's Pixar. It's like, shut up! It's a movie for babies. I'm tired yeah. of this nonsense. And this is another movie for babies, but it's a. It, it's just not even entertaining. It, like I said, the first half. I, I'm trying to imagine seeing it on a crystal clear, bright screen, and mm-hmm. um, we couldn't see. There were problem seeing faces but i it it legitimately takes place on like a foggy dark night on some planet that's the opening 15 minutes Mm -hmm. so i've complained before about how every movie should open in bright sunlight to get you to pay attention yeah so imagine starting off on some merc planet where you're already engaged in some battle you don't know shit about it unless you're some fucking nerd and you know all about the the war between the kree and the kroll or whatever the fuck they were talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. but there's some battle going on nobody gives a shit and by the time the lights come on that's when we decided i went with um uh amy and my sister they were it was their birthday present to me to take me to a Mm drive-in so so we were all talking about it as we're watching it and about halfway through, the character ends up on Earth, and she drops through a blockbuster, and it's in the 90s. So there's like – Oh, smash- hell yes. Yeah, so there's Smashing Pumpkins posters everywhere, and they're playing like, you know, Garbage is on the soundtrack. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, they played a Nirvana song, which was actually one of the weirder music choices. But they had some pop 90s music. That's tight. And, and, and we woke up. You know, we were into it because it was suddenly the lights were on. She was having the fish out of water experiences. Like, show me where your communication devices are. And they point her out to Radio Shack, you know. Yeah. So shit like that is we're like, why did they not start the movie right here? Why did we have to watch a half hour 
it was like uh, the fucking uh, Phantom Menace, you know, with the trade war. Oh, like, right. what, what, yeah. what is this war going on? Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Just get get her to Earth. Right. Then show, then sum that up in a conversation or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so by the time that stuff happened, that seemed to win over people in the car. But I was I had turned on it by then because I just imagine all I can do is imagine it through the eyes of people that pretend to love this shit, you yeah, know. Right. So I'm right. just getting angrier and angrier. Plus, it didn't help that every time. Every time the main character did something conspicuously fierce, I would say in the car, I'd go fierce. <laughs> and so, so can we just say for listeners of the pod, by the way, that the women in our life hate our guts. We are, we are just hanging on by a thread. You know what I mean? Like one day it's going to snap and they're just going to be like, what? Sometimes it does snap. And they're yeah. just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, it you snapped know? in the car. That yeah. definitely, because it turned into a big discussion about, you know, a big debate about what did I mean by that when I kept doing it? Mm-hmm. I got away with it doing it about 12 times. <laughs> so if that gives you an idea of how fierce this movie is. I got, I got to go fierce about 12 times before they all turned on me. And we started to talk about what I, what was I doing? Like, what did I, was I doing it because... I thought she was being like performatively manly uh-huh. and, I, and that's kind of it. But it was also because there were these calculated lines geared towards making, uh, making people kind of cheer for like, mm-hmm. you know, pa- pandery reasons. Like whenever they talk about, uh, this line comes up a lot where she's a, she's in the military and her boss is, um, making some bizarre weapon. It's, it's fucking complicated. Uh, and she, they keep saying stuff like, "We're not in the business of war. We're in the business of ending wars." Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Because you know they're because you know men are the warmongers, and the women are only in war to to stop all war. Uh-huh. But anyway, every time that line would come up, I'd be like, "Fierce," and then, and then she uh, she has like this. They show her life in a montage, and it's only showing her doing things that like little boys do. And and I don't mean like little girls don't do them. I mean like things you normally associate with a little boy, like playing little league and doing crash and go karts mm-hmm. and boxing, you know, mm-hmm. and, shit, and shit like that. And so when those moments would happen, I would just feel like how, if this is geared towards, if this is an empowerment fable to get, you know, little girls to have a hero, mm-hmm. can you, can you just throw a bone to the little girls that don't want to do what the little boys are doing? It'd be funny you if know? they had like a montage of her, like, you know, doing little league and then, you know, fucking <laughs> go-kart crash and boxing. And then it cuts to like, remember that movie Angela's Ashes where all those dudes are jacking <laughs> off together? It would just be funny. <laughs> just one of the guys. <laughs> But yeah, Yeah, I I wish I could have thought of that example in the car because I couldn't exactly explain why I thought the movie was so fierce. But I just, I just kept. I don't know. I, I, it just felt like there was like there's a moment when uh, her best friend is this other fighter pilot, and these two women are talking. They're reminiscing about their fighter pilot days, Hmm. and they start talking about how they used they wanted to race their each other's cars, and like the one. The one chick has a, a Mustang and the other one has a Camaro. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, I don't <laughs> – is it like do, do girls have to love muscle cars and fucking right. sharks and uh, Rush? You know, do they have to, all these things that like maybe they don't. Maybe mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. – maybe – is it okay if – you know, like it, like the do, do women have to love Slipknot, for example? Right. Does one of the nine members of Slipknot have to be a woman? Like, is it okay if Dude. women under 
I went to go get tacos the other day, and I walked in, and, you know, I live in El Paso, so El Paso is very kind of like meat and potatoes. Everybody's just sort of normal. It's very suburban, right? And uh, I walked... (laughs) This actually is a nice segue to Lords of Chaos. I might have said it a little bit too fast, but you you mentioned Slipknot. So I walk in to get my tacos, and, like, sitting at this table is just a table full of goth chicks in full-on white face paint. Like, they look like... Uh, the oh, guys shit. from Lords of Chaos, and one of them was wearing a Slipknot shirt. It just reminded me of that. And I was just like, huh. And they they looked up at me because like, I had my like Satan Baphomet t-shirt on or whatever. And they, they just looked up and they were like, friend? And I was just like, <laughs> I, I real quick just looked down at my phone like, no, no, not yeah. friend. But yeah, um, you were you were like seconds away from being in a ritual, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. You're like that. There's that cartoon where the where the dude like uh, he's like I don't even know what happens, but he's like befriending some some witch girl or something, and mm-hmm. he, he's like, oh, put, let's. I don't even know what happens, but at the end, he ends up in a pentagram, like nailed to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. that's probably where you're headed. That's but dude, under, understandably, there are of course women who probably love Slipknot. Mm-hmm. But like, but there, I think there's probably a lot of women who think Slipknot's fucking stupid because sure. it kind of is. It is, and, yeah. and and there's probably some women who think Rush is terrible, and you know a lot of women who think robot dinosaurs shooting lasers and little boys making motorcycle noises with their mouth are dumb and they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you have to diversify stupid shit? Is my point. Interesting. Like, well, you, you know, know what? I, and all the things that you just mentioned too. Um, it is kind of interesting, right? That I always, I always think that these things could be a bit more nefarious, right? And the idea that like girls are supposed to, what makes them like badass now is liking guns and lasers and things that kill. And it's like, oh, we're just adding them into the fucking yeah. neoliberal fucking war machine. Like these are the like you want to be a fighter pilot and you want to blow people up, right? Like that, exactly, dude. That's what I couldn't articulate in the car. Was that was right. what I was trying to say? Right. Is that comic book movies are shit? Yeah. So it's, to like, make... it's not cool that girls like these things now because these things are not fucking cool. <laughs> like they're fucking yes. they're bad. Yes, they're shit. They remain shit. And like the, there's a, the montage of her getting back up and her her life of you know doing little boy fantasy shit and i'm not being essentialist i'm saying that they showed they made they made the point of showing traditionally like little boy moments mm-hmm. because that's that's their way of being empowered this mm-hmm. particular movie mm-hmm. and I, I mean is that blasphemy to say that the billions that this movie will make mm-hmm. pretending it pretending it's an empowerment fable mm-hmm. of course goes straight to the tom cruise character in tropic thunder right it goes yeah. straight to the cigar chomping executive les grossman right it's like yeah keep that woke money coming in yeah you know right like if you want to have some fun google head of marvel studios mm-hmm. if you just google who the head of marvel studios is and look at that face try to imagine that guy like on the phone yelling you know give me some more of that woke shit give me some more of that woke that woke money <laughs> It's like sl- slamming his head down and like kicking some intern off his dick. Oh, totally. I mean, look yeah, yeah, look yeah. at that fucking dude. Look that at that guy. fucking dude. So what are we? So what are we doing, man? What are his we doing? His name is Kevin. Oh, Feige. Sorry, never mind. Carry on. Yeah, I don't know who this <laughs> um, but I, I guess that's my thesis: is do we have to? Does is it? Do you accomplish anything by diversifying stupid, terrible shit? Well, anyway, and, and that's the thing, man. Is that I? I heard you know. I heard on another podcast, so this is this is half baked content, right? This is a half baked take. 
But they were talking about uh, Captain Marvel, and it was a real quick capsule thing because they had just kept it moving as well, and they were like, you know, it's okay. Like, Marvel just has these things down to an algorithm now anyway. They're neither... It's like, you know for a fact going into it that there's going to be no risks taken, that they're going to do exactly the kind of thing that people who are wearing... I don't know, Doctor Who TARDIS t-shirts are going to think is like badass, you know what I mean? And it's like, like your identities all became co-opted by this machine like a long, long time ago. And it's perfect, it's perfect entertainment for people who think that pop culture defines who they are as a person. For sure, for sure. I mean, I've gone through a lot of this stuff on Twitter, and I'm never going to agree with it, but it doesn't bother me so much anymore because it's just, it's so easy to figure out, you know, like you'll go through, you'll scroll through comments or I will at least because I am a sucker for this kind of punishment. And you just will, you just see the same thing over and over again. It's like, I'm so glad this movie came out. My daughter saw it and now she believes that she can be president. And it's like, okay, you know, if that's true, if that's true, you know what, if that's true, I'm at the point now I'm like, okay, fine, fine, whatever. You know what? Who cares? It's stupid and, and it's dumb, thing, and I don't, it, I don't believe you. But okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> it's at the point where I think that their biggest crime is that they haven't cracked the code on how to make these movies any good. Mm-hmm. You're twenty, what, twenty fucking movies into this series, and I watch them all because I, you know, I'm dying for your sins out there. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. I'm baby stepping. Yeah, but like. How have they not mastered it? I should go in there and be like, what an entertainment machine. I know this is bad. I feel kind of weird about watching it, but man, it delivered the goods. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's half the movie was in darkness. Mm-hmm. It the the lead was fucking bland. And I and you know, I heard some criticisms that I think are really kind of wrong-headed about why she's bland. Like I know you don't like Sicario, but I kind of really like Sicario and I liked mm-hmm. that I liked the blandness of the female lead there because I felt like that was an effortless way to be kind of all business without over machoing it up or, yeah. you know, trying to trying to trying to fierce it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She did feel I, real. She felt she like felt, real. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as, as my sister said, when we were in the car, she said uh, this character feels like just folks, mm-hmm. which that's she liked that. Right. Uh, I felt like she didn't really bring a lot to the plate. Like you got to have a lot of charisma for those moments. She's not the girl. In, she's not like Sicario where. It's an all business kind of you're opening your eyes to the hell that's going on in that situation. This is a cosmic uh, lightning shooting out of her fingers, you know, Mm -hmm. live living God. So you got to have some fucking panache or something, you know, and instead like her, the only lines she would say were just, I don't know, I'd. She's really good in Room, that movie where she's stuck in the room raising a baby, like some serial killer puts her in her room. That she's really good in that, and that's the whole movie is like hmm. up her, up her nose. You, she's yeah. not in any scene, so she's not bad. She, it's just that this movie is bad, and they didn't give right. her anything to do, and they just assumed that if they just CGI'd her. And of course, it's like the Black Panther complaint I had, where half the time their face is there, but half the time a computer just kind of goes and puts something over their face. Uh So she has this this blank version of her with this kind of rooster mohawk that pops up sometimes to be like the computer version. Mm -hmm. And I guess I should give them credit for having just the, they're just cocky enough to say, now you're not watching people anymore. You're you're watching the game. Right. And you know, I was thinking about this too, not to do too far of a callback, but what was that? The night comes for us. You remember that karate movie? Um, 
I was thinking about those kind of action movies and just sort of like how good action movies have gotten in general now. And I, I just, I'm never, I can never stop being so amazed that with like the budgets that they have, I can't imagine it would cost that much more money to just have real actors in like a choreographed fight scene, like right. a fast paced, well shot choreographed fight scene. Because you would think that once, once those dudes who did the raid, once they kind of cracked that code, cause I feel like the raid was like a big time turning point in action movies. Cause yeah. you had like the guns and the fist fighting and stuff. And so now it's like, okay, these people have like laser weapons, whatever, but it's like hire those choreographers and like get some get some real like doesn't have to be bone crunching stuff but you know get some real action hold on one second sorry gotta take my posture corrector off (laughs) (laughs) zip i try to i try to only wear it for like 30 i've got just like a wicked oh fucking hunch dude and i bought one of those like things that looks like a training bra that you put on and it just like adjusts your uh your back so that you can stand up straight but um but yeah no i don't understand why like of all the money that's spent on these things they they seem to really drop the ball when it comes to these action scenes and it's i would think that the movies that's and that's the one built around these things you know what i mean and it gets to where people understand that oh this is the big action scene and they tune out that's Mm -hmm. when they should really light up that's all they have going for them so why isn't that when people you know, light up and, and say, oh, this is where this movie really shines. Yeah. Instead, they have that reversed where everybody's paying. They're on the edge of their fucking seat every time they say some cliched bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then they tune out when it gets to the the money on the screen. Right. Because they're so poorly made. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was just a fucking embarrassment. The only thing that was good was there was a there was a cat in it. And they the cat is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you're not going to watch it. So I'll spoil the. This cat thing is the cat is also some horrible monster. Mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of this cool symbolism that is it's definitely pandering to cat people, but I kind of appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that um, a cat is kind of a thankless pet, mm-hmm. you know, right. but it's also it's also pretty adorable. So at some point in the movie, a cat starts following the uh, Samuel Jackson character around, mm-hmm. and the aliens are like shapeshifters. You know, depending on the plot, they can they look like googly monsters or uh, various supporting actors. Great. And and one of them says that cat is not a cat. He's like, why are you cuddling with that cat, Samuel Jackson? That's a that's a fucking um, a floofy poof or something. I don't know mm-hmm. what the alien the alien sure. name was, but he's like that is like one of the most dangerous creatures in the world. And that was the funniest uh, moment because they scan it, and like the computer says, uh, bzzz, oh floofy poof. Uh, danger level, danger level high, and then he scans Samuel Jackson and goes, "Human male, danger level low or none." <laughs> and so that that was pretty funny. That is and, funny. Uh, and so this thing at one point reveals itself to be a tentacled mouth beast, and it kills a bunch of dudes. And so he, we we get a kind of a payoff of all that talk about the cat being dangerous. Uh-huh. But what's fun is it it's um it's always in cat form. So Samuel Jackson just carries it around, and at one point he's you know tickling it and snuggling with it too much, and it it goes and it just cuts him in the face like a cat. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how he lost his fucking eyeball. <laughs> you know how Nick Fury has yeah. a patch over his eye. Yeah. So rather than having some badass 
you know, origin story. Yeah. He essentially was tickling the tummy too much <laughs> and the cat and the cat lashed out. And there's a really funny line where the cat scratches him in the eye and it's just a minor injury at that moment. And they're like, oh, shit, you all right? And he's like, oh, yeah, just a scratch. No big deal. And one of the aliens over the corner goes, no, <laughs> because he knows that that's going to destroy his eye. And sure enough, the next time you see him, he's got a patch and that horrible scar oh, and they wow. play it. They play it for laughs, and it's by far like the most horrific injury I've seen in one of these movies. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's played as this afterthought, and I, I did appreciate that because you finally find out why he's got a patch on his eye, and somebody says to him, "So is it true that you lost your eye when they tortured you for the information on Planet Altair Seven or whatever?" And he's like, "I will neither confirm nor deny that." <laughs> That's <laughs> a pretty good bit. That was a good bit, and um, I'd watch a whole movie about that fucking cat but mm-hmm. uh you yeah. know it was comedy relief and samuel jackson's supposed to be him in the 90s so he's got this ghostly cgi face to make him young oh did they make him like smooth yoda yep exactly oh man so, they smoothed yoda they got to stop smoothing yoda it's just it's not right yeah i feel like there was an interesting message in there about cats and like even if you even if they do love you They'll still hurt hurt you. Something like anyway. Fuck this movie. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're talking about Lords of Chaos. Lords of Chaos. Yes. Let's get on to that. Get on to that. Now, okay. So, Lords of Chaos is a movie that is directed by Jan Yonkervson. I don't know the fucking guy's name. He was a music video director who did uh, Madonna's Ray of Light. You know that? Really? That was that was him. Yeah, that was him. So he's a music video guy. Um, Apparently, I'm. Was he the guy who did Spun? I'm not sure. This movie reminded me a lot of Spun. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, you know, I remember that title now that you say it. That was it's got when I worked... Murphy and uh, John Leguizamo. Yeah, yes. mm-hmm. It's like uh, when I worked in a bookstore. That must have been like 15 years ago. There mm-hmm. was that was the a movie that all like the little shit bags and the. On the coffee house side of Barnes and Noble, passed around. We had a bar, you know. We had like a Starbucks. Yeah, there's like a all- scene where like uh, there's like a scene where like Brittany Murphy's pooping out drugs, and John Lee was almost jumping yeah. up and down on a bed, jacking off. It's like it's an edge lord train yes. spotting try hard movie. Yeah. Yes, I remember people. The people that were stealing gallons of milk out of the the Starbucks side of the bookstore loved that movie. <laughs> I, I but I don't I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if that was him or not. This movie just reminded me a lot of Spun. Um. But so anyway, so it is a fictionalized account of uh, heavy metal uh, black. I'm sorry, black metal bands in Norway. Yeah, yeah don't don't get that wrong. You're gonna yeah. get they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna at you. Satan, those guys, you know. Um, but th- this is in the very late '80s, very early '90s. So it follows the creation of a band called Mayhem. Um, which is kind of the guy who plays guitar for it, the sort of like band leader guy. His name is Euronymous, I believe. I don't recall his actual name. Yeah, um, I, I, I was going to ask you about that because I saw this two weeks ago. My list of names is Anonymous, Voltan, and Faust. So well, there, is, there is Faust, but the, guy, the other guy's name is Varg. Uh, yeah. Let me cor- uh, correct that right now, so I don't call him Voltan. <laughs> that um, Voltan sounds like like an anime <laughs> character. Um, but so, so I was going to ask you, Mayhem. That's not a very black metal kind of name. That's like a hair metal kind of name, isn't it? it is, is it a translation issue? Is it? I think it's probably not a translation. I think they called themselves Mayhem. 
Um, and I think that what we're seeing in 1987, which is when they formed, I think we are kind of seeing just like a a transition from the hair metal to the black metal stuff. Because like you go back and listen to the Mayhem album, which by the way I did. I did a lot of like I did a deep dive after I watched the movie because I'd never heard this. I'm not a black metal dude. I don't really. I think I li- think I listened to like Cradle of Filth in high school. They had this really cool cover of uh, Iron Maidens for whom the bell tolls. Um, but other than that, I know nothing. Iron about... Maiden wasn't that a Metallica song? Oh no, not for whom the bell oh, wait, tolls. AC, uh, AC. No, 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 no. I'm know. thinking of Iron. It was an Iron Maiden song. It's the one about the guy who's. Uh, what is it? Uh, he's going to be executed. Um, uh, Hallowed be thy name. That's what it is. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, but sorry, We're gonna, we just we just lost all heavy metal credit. <laughs> oh, I, I have none. I fully admit that. Um, but anyway, so I think that there's that scene, you know, where he pokes the guy's vest <laughs> and he has a scorpions patch on, and he's like, "Scorpions, really?" So it's kind of like <laughs> making that transition over, right? So just real quick, just to like kind of do a quick overview of the plot, and then we can get into the the, the meaty stuff. We basically have uh, this guy who forms this black metal band who like they're kind of known for you know worshiping satan they create this kind of legend around themselves because their first singer shoots himself in the head and then uh they send they make a rumor that they eat his brain right um and they wear they wear face paint they look like sting the wrestler um (laughs) and they kind of like they make this sort of like shitty music um but they get really, really popular in kind of an underground way. And the movie really kind of picks up because they end up hiring uh, this guy who's kind of a hanger-on, kind of like a sycophant, like he wants to be part of, and he's like a rich kid. And so they bring him on because he's talented, but he also has money. And he turns out to be like a true believer. He's like a stone psychopath, right, who begins to actually burn down churches because they're kind of, you know, Odinist pagans who think that you know mm-hmm. christianity has ruined our people um and some sweet sweet looking churches too I churches know. amazing churches look churches. like that i would go to church if churches look like that they're such fucking cool like they're actually the, the churches they're fucking metal they look like viking churches you know? right like what i would think that those guys would have loved those churches yeah exactly very, so very evil looking he starts burning churches and and eventually at the end there's like there's kind of a squabble over money uh, it's kind of the details of it, I guess, even in real life are a little, um, kind of hard to come by, but the, the, this Euronymous guy and the stone psychopath who's, who's Varg, um, they eventually come to kind of loggerheads and Varg ends up stabbing Euronymous to death. And that's kind of curtain fall end of movie. Right. Um, so we can go in a lot of directions with this, but the first direction I kind of wanted to, do you think that was a pretty good summation of the movie? I, I'm not sure yeah. if I covered that well enough, but I think that the first place I wanted to go is I really did like the fact that they kind of focused on this Euronymous guy and how he's just like, how marketing never changes, right? Because you and I are yeah. in the writing scene and we see a lot of people who we know personally. So we know them personally and then we see them online and there's kind of like the stark difference between how they portray themselves and like how they really are. And, you know, that I think that that doesn't really bother me that much, but it is interesting that even back in the day, there was this really, there's a part right before (laughs) Euronymous gets stabbed 
where they're like, where Varg says to him, it's like, you never believed in church burning or you never believed in the cause. And he's, and Euronymous is like, the dude, that was marketing. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, he also, and he says when he's halfway stabbed to death, he's like, Hey man, can we just tell everybody you stabbed me and we'll like use it to sell records? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, that, that scene was incredibly well done. Because it's yeah. just like, oh, you feel every step. You told me before I watched it, you're like, this is the stabbiest movie I've yeah. ever seen. And I have to I agree. Saw, There's so much stabbing in this movie. So much stabbing. When I saw it with my uh, I saw it with my sister and my friend Nate was in from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were at Alamo Draft House. And uh, halfway through the movie, um, after the park stabbing, he, uh, my friend Nate takes the little piece of paper that you use to report when people are talking. And he mm-hmm. slips me a note. And the note says, Lords of Stabbing? <laughs> Because, <laughs> so, like you said, it's just shink, shink, just, yeah. and they linger on every stab. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it'll make your stomach flip. Well, the yeah, first I, one, the I suicide, like... is really really well done because this guy who decides to end it, this kind of character who haunts uh, Euronymous, this first singer, this kind of elven blonde haired dude, how he kills himself is he like he like drags up. He like, like Rasputin's himself. He tries yeah. every method at once. Yeah, he like he he cuts both of his wrists open, and then he like tries to cut his throat open, and that doesn't work. So he ends up taking a rifle to it to his head, and it's just like they don't skin like this is better gore, I think, than most horror movies that I've seen. Actually, yeah, like, the gore is really well done. Yeah, that's what's ironic about movies like this and Green Room, where it's very clinical gore Mm -hmm. and it has way more effect than some of the you know traditional horror movies that are supposed to be gory Mm -hmm. they they definitely want those to be popular and these more you know these kind of edgier indie uh more realistic movies are i don't know they're just they have this real clinical realistic cutting and it really makes you kind of get queasy Mm -hmm. you know i've and I wonder if they could just talk to each other and maybe some horror movies could talk to some of these guys and say, how did you do that? Because we could really use we could instead of having the CGI blood, it would be nice to, you know, make the horror horrific. Mm-hmm. Like, why are all these realistic movies so much more horrific? Yeah, but yeah I, gr- I agree with your thesis about the kind of um, that's what I liked about it was there was uh, the, there were pretenders, you know, but there's the danger. It seemed to be saying don't you know you, you become if you pretend to be something long enough you become it and they really i liked how they took a shit on these guys as far as them being they're faking it you know essentially the movie is saying they're they're faking all this stuff and the one guy who's the most dangerous besides the guy who had the gay panic mm-hmm. are are guys who pretend so hard then the pretending becomes this one-upmanship they're constantly one-upping each other and talking about like you've always got to try to one-up me dude and if you if the one-upmanship is pretending to be an evil person you will become an evil person yeah and i and i like how that there's a distance from just saying here's an evil band and the things they did because that's not interesting Mm -hmm. and i think that's I think that might have something to do with some of the backlash I saw of people that don't like this at all are big fans of the band and they thought that it wasn't taken seriously. And my expectations were at rock bottom going into it because I watched the other movie by this director, Polar. And it's oh, he did fucking, Polar? Oh, it's bad, dude. Did you watch that? No, it looked like shit. It's so bad. It's like a bargain basement smoking aces. Mm. It, it's got like this crew of 
neon colored assassins going around it's kind of a kill bill thing going on too and like the opening scene here's all you need to know the opening scene are these assassins killing johnny knoxville as he's getting a blow job Hmm. so you have him like chortling and holding some woman's head on his groin as he's getting shot and then as he dies you see like the boner in his shorts go <laughs> fall down, and then, the, and then the movie title comes up, and I just I just made that sound way better than it is. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds pretty good, <laughs> but it's all done with CGI and right. stupid like rapid cuts. Smoke and Aces is kind of the style they were trying to go for, mm-hmm. so it's terrible. So I thought, is this gonna be real flashy um, bullshit? And it turned out to be oddly serious. Like it had, and I remember you were kind of annoyed that it got more serious. Mm-hmm. But when I say oddly serious, I mean like critical. Mm-hmm. I loved that it was critical of that scene. Yeah. And, and it's and it won me over. It starts pretty grim though, with that suicide is in the first like fifteen minutes. You're like, fuck. Am, is this whole movie gonna look like this? Yeah. And there's some there's some cat murders and shit, some gummo shit going on. Oh yeah, that's right. But then it settles into a very critical look at this scene and what a bunch of fucking posers they were. Mm-hmm. And and then I was all in for, for a long time. And then I got kind of stabbed out for a while. Right. And and I, I, I think, you know, it, when it's all said and done, I, I I would recommend this to anybody who likes those kind of true true crime. It's a true crime movie through and through. Oh, yeah. As a, as a true crime movie, it's very successful. As a heavy metal you know, uh, Satan loving, you know, flashy horror movie. It's not. And I think that's what pe- people thought that's what it was going to be. Yeah. I think that the, I think people were probably surprised by the kind of colorful tones of the movie. Cause it is very, that's why it reminded me of that movie spun so much. It's cut really fast. Um, and it's, it's funny. Of, it's it's funny. got some funny shit. It's, yeah. It is funny. It's like, uh, I don't, but I think all that kind of shit is funny. Like there's a part where he's listening to Burzum, which is uh Varg's band. Um, and he's listening to it and he hands it down to the drummer for emperor, I think Faust. Right. And mm-hmm. he's like, you have to listen to this. It is seriously evil shit. And like <laughs> that, that to me is funny. Like, and I, I don't know why I'll, I'll always think that's funny, but I think goths are funny. Um, but I like I, how it, uh, real quick, I like how it it, it kind of mirrors uh, the the writing scene in some ways. Like they're, they have they have no money and they're kind of self-producing mm-hmm, stuff. Right. And then here comes somebody who's got a little bit of money but maybe less talent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, you'll be our flagship. You know, you'll be our, we're going to, you got, can we use some of that cash to get in the studio? Right. And it's, and it's like, there's no real, there's, there's no real ethics or philosophy to their, evilness mm-hmm. they're just in the the way the lead guy was kind of uh calculating like when he after the suicide he takes this he takes pictures of it and i thought that was a very like you said earlier i think that's very consistent with kind of the social media presence of the writing scene we know mm-hmm. where somebody there's somebody kills himself and this dude is horrified and he's haunted by that later, but it doesn't stop him from taking some sweet pictures for his album covers. Exactly. Right? He right. wants to take some pictures of the body because he knows what kind of capital that'll give him with the, with his fans. Right. And so, I, it just reminds me of like people on on Facebook and shit. Something horrible will happen, but here are ten loving shots of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what I mean? Or here's, oh, yeah. and I you know I hate to say it, this. this 
uh, maybe I won't even say it. Well, I'll, I'll say it. Like there's when people have there's like loved ones in the hospital and there's all these pictures of them. It's like, man, do you, why are you taking those pictures? Right. Or there's, here's an accident on the side of the road. Here's a picture of the car and the person. What are you doing? Yeah. You, st- you stopped to do that. Right. That's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that my life is filled with those moments that I'm not putting on the internet, but I, mm-hmm. I will say that I do have those moments that no one has seen me experiencing firsthand because I did not photograph it. Right. And I think that's kind of how it should be. Mm-hmm. So when I, when he did that, I thought that's a nice dig at the kind of selfie nation. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And and then he makes up uh, this kind of legend, right? That they ate pieces of his brain and made stuff out of his, yeah. made amulets out of his skull and things like that. And I just, I liked all of that. I thought it was like, oh, this is this is great. It was it's all because of course they didn't really do that. Of right. course they didn't. Right. You know, That's and right. I think that a lot of people who like this stuff, they like the legend. And it's like, uh-huh. dude, nobody's telling you you can't believe it. You can believe whatever the that fuck makes, you want. That's I I know I'm a hypocrite by saying it, but it makes me respect them more because yeah. I feel like I got to know them even if this isn't who they really are and there's a third version. I feel like that was a real person I saw. And I can kind of appreciate how they got into that fix. You know, I can right. appreciate how the one-upmanship got them to start killing each other over their shitty music. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's even more delicious that the murderer is so upset about his depiction. Like, he's it's not hard up. Oh, dude, let's talk about this up. guy. First of all, <laughs> so he goes to jail, right? He gets the maximum you can get in uh, Norway, which is 21 years. He is out now, and he has a YouTube channel. And I went down the rabbit hole. Oh, you, you went further than me. Because yeah. I, I clicked on him and I, he said something like, uh, why, why am I being depicted by some fat Jew? And then that was, <laughs> and then I tapped out. Oh, dude. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's pretty on brand. Um, yeah. No, he's usually wearing like this, this kind of camo hat and camo outfit. He, he's like wearing like a ghillie suit at all times. Yeah, and, isn't he, uh, he looks like techno Nazi, right? Yeah, techno, he's techno Viking. I mean, that dude. He yeah, kind of yeah. He's, and he like he lives with his his wife and and their, you know, Aryan children, and they make like these these documentary films together. And I skipped through one of them, and it's just this bizarre like they're telling um, like Viking fairy tales, which is kind of cool actually. Um, but the I think I've talked to you about this before, man. But you know what sucks is that like. Viking culture is so fucking cool, uh, but it's been completely co-opted by racist pieces of shit. Like, Mm -hmm. if you look at any kind of Viking stuff online, it's just like it follows from that, that like, you know, and so we have to discuss like why, uh, you know, black people's skull sizes are a little bit different from whites. And I'm not saying it's a (laughs) big difference. It's just, you know, it leads to just like (laughs) few differences and blah, blah. But like, you know, what's so funny, man, is that like, and this is no dig uh, at the people who told me this online, uh, but they were like, man. Burzum, he made these ambient albums while he was in prison and <clears throat> he didn't he only had like a keyboard and something he's like you gotta listen to these man this little blow your mind and i go to spotify and i turn it on and like the cover is like this medieval picture of vikings i'm like okay and i'm like this is gonna be like some like this dude just murdered somebody this is gonna be some dark ambient <laughs> shit and i turn the album on and it's like and then like you know the voices come in they're like oh 
And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? It sounds like it sounds like that Rick and Morty episode where the the one dude's in a simulation and and the simulation's fucking up, and they're like, we don't have time to do it correctly, and this guy's listening to the radio, and it says, and now human music, and it goes, bloop, bloop, bloop. Bloop. And the, the guy's a real. The guy listens, a real idiot. He's like, "Hmm, human music. I like it." <laughs> yeah, man. No, so it's like, and then I went back and I was like, "Okay, I'll listen to Mayhem and I'll listen to Burzum." And it's just you turn it on, and it's just like every time you turn it on, you hear like, you know, because it's like that that tape recorder sound, and then it's like, it's like, dude. And I like I like a lot of. Uh, loud, heavy music. I, I like stuff like Dillinger Escape Plan, and you know, you know, me and you, do, we're new metal dudes. I like Corn yeah. and Slipknot like and all that yeah, kind of shit. Slayer and Strapping Young Lad. Shit oh, I love Strapping Young Lad. Yeah, stuff but, that's like fast as shit and really noisy. But this is what I was going to ask you. You've went down the rabbit hole further than I did. What is the? They kept talking about how they created a new music. Mm-hmm. I was, I read somewhere that. The reason we didn't get to hear this new music on in the movie was because all those bands said you cannot use our music. We hate your depiction of our bands. Oh right. So we don't really get to hear whatever they were talking about. But what is what are they talking about when they say? And then I invented a totally new way to play guitar. It's called black metal. So what is that exactly? Is it some down-tuned fast shit? Because that exists, right? What is what are they talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think I. Well, I think that. I don't think they really invented well gosh i don't know man i did listen to it and it's like to help us out here i guess like like, in in the context of it being 1987 i mean i think was god flesh around back back then god flesh was around right like i think that was around the time people were starting to like detune i think it's just a combination of like i said those blast beats the, the really fast guitar and then i think the 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 voice is like a big part of it. It's that it's that little dah, 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 that like weird you know demon with yeah. a pitchfork kind of voice. Um, that's my best guess. So it's like that real fast machine gun kick drum and just a it's just fast stuff. For some reason, I had the impression it was this dirge like spooky shit like typo negative or something because they look like those guys. But but, but no. instead it's, but instead it's just like Slayer. Is that right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. As far as I can, I mean, that's that's as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's that was my impression of the whole thing. Um, you, you know what else I really liked was the way they lived. That that's something that it's right in my wheelhouse of really enjoying a movie where people kind of live in squalor, but mm-hmm. a but a very familiar squalor for anyone that lived in like in the eighties and nineties when you have to live with a couple people. Mm-hmm. Like when they were living in the record store and they had kind of bunks that were right next to the register. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, the, the record store was called Hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it looked like fun, you know. When the, Whenever it shows people in a state of kind of uh, – it, it kind of makes being a, your hobby is like this – your life and the crossover. When it shows them kind of coexisting, that documentary dig is like that too mm-hmm. with – Brian Jonestown Massacre and and Mm -hmm. Andy Warhol's when it shows how they exist on the road. I mean, that stuff just looks so much fun just to kind of live where your floor would be like 
a movie theater floor. Essentially, yeah, everybody <laughs> smells like cigarettes and beer, and you're right. like meeting like hot grody chicks and just you know drinking a bunch of beers and stuff. Like, yeah, sure. Seems yeah, like when he get, would... when he jumps down to go get the mail and he's in his underwear and he's knocking on the guy sleeping in his car outside and that's just kind of another apartment, the car outside and right, shit. Right. Yeah. It, no. It, it yeah. A... It brought back some memories for me. Speaking of chicks, like. They have uh, Sky Ferreira in this movie as the love interest, and I've got to say, I am sick to death of Sky Ferreira getting whack roles like this. Like she who got is, who is that? I she's the blonde who's uh, his girlfriend towards the end. Um, okay, the one who goes, the one who like makes turns him straight or whatever. Yeah, puts, cut, right. Cuts his cuts his hair and buttons up his collar. That's right. Yes, <laughs> uh, but she is she's a musician, and her album uh, is great. It's like one of my favorite kind of like pop albums of the past five years. And she's like, but she's given these weird roles. Like she was like the mom in Baby Driver. Um, and she was also like, she was very briefly on an episode of the new Twin Peaks. She was like in the roadhouse. She was one of like the grody. She had like these gnarly teeth. She was like a drug addict in the, in one of the roadhouse scenes. But okay. like, she's really good. And she has a really like compelling face. And I think she's a great, like a pretty great actress. Uh, but they just don't give her anything to do. She's just like in this movie yeah. to be like, you've got to, you've got to be true to yourself. And like, you know, <laughs> just these weird, these weird cliches that I don't even understand, like why they, you know, it's like, why do you even pretend in a movie like this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why do you even pay, right. pay lip service? This is a totally like homoerotic movie about dudes stabbing each other. You can get the Freudian it's, bit there. Yeah, get it, yeah, you know what I mean? So much stabbing. It's just like, yeah, just, just make it, just make it. I would have liked this a lot, actually, if it was more, if it had leaned into homoeroticism a little bit more, you know? Cause it's all these dudes, like kind of hot guys and like that are ripped, you know, like not really muscular, but just, toned well, just like one, walking that, around in that, their speedo you know what is it macaulay culkin's brother or whatever will play the lead. yeah yeah he's in, he's in good shape he's walking around in speedos to go get the newspaper he's got about three percent body fat is the thing that's what's and, so, and, that, and that always looks like you're huge on camera but that just mm-hmm. means in real life you're skinny but it's like fight club body exactly like, mm-hmm. yeah that's when they that's when they learned they interviewed brad pitt about man you're huge in fight club and he's like nah i'm not i'm like 30 pounds lighter Mm-hmm. You know, I was huge in like Troy and all those other movies. Yeah. This movie, they just said, we got, we got to do this quickly. So we're yeah. just going to have you lose weight and you'll see that it looks just the same. Oh yeah. Cause he had all that, he had all that muscle already packed on. So it's just like, just eat like celery sticks and yogurt for two months and, and you'll, <clears> you'll be, and drink like three gallons of water a day and you will just be shredded. And on, like you said, on camera, it looks great, you know, yeah, especially yeah. with the right lighting. But anyway, my point is, is that like. It's. I love Sky Ferreira as an actress. I wish she had more to do. But in a movie like this, I feel like she was. Leave the little. Leave the girlfriend subplot just out. Yeah, doesn't need to be there. Did you also feel like they used her at the end because there was a real effort to show every single detail of that final death, and I felt like I was, I was late to the party. Like it's kind of like when they show the OJ murder that we all know, you know, in the alley and the, what happened and those, the glove left behind and mm-hmm. the, yeah. the way they died. Like it's kind of part of our national conversation about certain murders. We know how they went. I feel like everyone knows how those murders went. Mm-hmm. So when they show like he stops to drink some Nestle's quick and when the, the keys are in the, 
in the pocket and when he steps on the glass from the Nestle's quick glass, all those things are lingered on for no reason except it must be as a way to be accurate to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. In in the movie, it's almost to a fault where you think, is this is there something going to happen? Like it turns out the keys are going to save his ass or is it going to turn out this glasses? But no, it's just them saying here we got all these details right because, you know, by reading all about this, that he did drink a glass of Nestle's quick and that he did step on the glass and that he was stabbed this many times. And well, Varg, you know, you know I mean? Varg maintains that he was not, uh, Euronymous was not stabbed that many times that a lot of the cuts on his body were from the <laughs> yeah, glass right. of Nesquik. Um, right. It's one of those like, yeah, he died. He fell on the axe 12 times. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he is just like, that's one thing that I really liked about this movie is that like they, they portray Varg Vickerns, Vickerness, I think his name is, as just a gigantic bonehead. Like he is massively stupid. It's just it's a it's a comedy of errors. Like watching them drive out to right. kill the guy, and he comes. They they have to stop for gas, and he's like, "Fine, <laughs> use my credit card." <laughs> and like he's the, guy, the other guys. The other guys in the store, and he's like pointing back to him, like, "No, it's his card." <laughs> that was to... that, those bits were great, man. That was yeah, that was funny. There was a book I picked up back in the 90s called uh, America's Least Competent Criminals, mm-hmm. and, and it was right out of that book. Like, it would have talk about guys that, uh, like, they stole a safe, and they couldn't get it onto the truck, so they dragged it back to their house. So the cops followed this, like, three-inch trench in the road <laughs> all the way to the house. Or the, the my favorite one was this counterfeiter. Mm-hmm. He had a he took a dollar bill and so he cut the corners off a twenty and put it on the one, and the counterfeiter sort of like the Secret Service said. So he was basically down a dollar <laughs> every time every time he used a fake twenty. He destroyed a twenty to make a twenty. So what the hell, dude? That is it, so bizarre. But it totally reminded me of that when he was yeah. when everything would just fall apart on their. What started out as a well-planned murder, you know, and it yeah. just turned to turned to shit. And I assume that that stuff must all be in the book, you know, that yeah. people at the gas station saw these two dumbasses, you know. Yeah. Oh no, it is. Yeah. Like I read the Wikipedia article, and that's that's one of the things that kind of like led the cops to. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I, and I love the. I I guess this part is they might have taken a lot of liberty with is the interview. It's kind of an amalgam of interviews or it was done in a different order. But mm-hmm. either way, in the movie, it's pretty brilliant when they go to interview him and he sets up his little sword throne oh, to, yeah. and he puts up a puts up a swastika and he puts up like a, a pentagram and he puts up all this shit. And the, and the interviewer is like, you got kind of a confusing philosophy here. What, what was, how does all this stuff fit together? And he's yeah. just. He doesn't even know, you know, it's, right. it's just trying to, trying to look tough. And, well, it's like I, I was reading more about Euronymous and he gave a that interview that he gave with like, uh, I think, Kerrang or something. Um, <laughs> there's a pull quote from it that I was reading. I should have kept it. But he's basically like, they're like, what? So what is your philosophy? And he's like, <laughs> my philosophy is that human beings should be slaves. We are not meant to be independent of each other and we should be ruled over, which would make us miserable, which is good because misery is evil and evil is good. They, it's just, it's <laughs> it's just like, how does that fit with your swastika? Dumbass? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, too, you know, it's that dude is a stone cold Nazi, too. Right. Like he's. Yeah, that's what it, I felt like they soft pedaled that. Doesn't yeah. it seem like 
deep down inside, like you can show them murdering cats and not lose your audience, but um, but they had to kind of be cute with the Nazi shit. I feel like those guys must have been entrenched in that stuff, and they just teased it a little bit because they didn't want to make the murderers unsympathetic. Right, right. No, I I think yeah, it's one of those things where you do kind of. Well, he be I, I see. I don't know because they did kind. There were a few things that I that I really didn't like, and they might seem like minor details at first. I didn't like uh, how Varg was portrayed as this kind of like misogynistic asshole while he's like banging these chicks. You know, like he'll like have sex with a girl and then when he's done, he'll slap her ass and be like, "Get out of here, you fucking whore!" You know, it's like it's a yeah, lot. That, you know, and it's, that, and it's that piling was, the sauce on pretty thick at that yeah, point. Yeah, because it was more interesting when he was kind of a straight-edge weirdo. That right. I, I like the idea that – because when they first introduce him and – you know, Oh, he's like still straight-edge, by the way. He's never had a beer is what he says. Yeah, I like that idea that – you know, he, and I, I, it would have been interesting if he was also – because it kind of plays into like the crazy incels, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this – when he walked in and he was, you know, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. He doesn't indulge in all that stuff and um, one of us said we're watching we're like – that's obviously the most dangerous one. That's the one who's going to kill somebody because mm-hmm. he's going to be all, he's a pent up psycho, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. to have him indulge, to get the rock star scene in there, I totally agree with you that that shit was unnecessary. Yeah. Cause he was just, he was already scary. You know what I mean? He was just, he, and the actor who played him did a really good job too, of just like being able to balance this buffoonery with act. Well, I think it's also because they shoot him as this kind of like, and I don't even think the real Varg was like this, but they shoot him as this kind of hulking big dude. You know, he's got this big broad back and he he's always bumping into people and, you know, kind of like hunched over and lurching around and stuff. Like he's kind of a scary dude. He's a big guy. Yeah, and I, I think that it doesn't have to be – it's not inconsistent to have somebody be an idiot and be scary. I think that makes them scary. Oh, totally. Like, like that's the people's – some of the Because you know he I can't saw. be reasoned with, right? When right. He's, when exactly. he's yelling at Euronymous and he's going to stab him, you realize like if you were in a position like that, we've all – I've, I've had people – I wouldn't call them friends, but I've known Oklahomans like that where you're at a party and they get pissed at you for something and you can't talk them down because they're too right. stupid to listen to reason. You know? Right. You have to stoop to their level essentially to right. trick them. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that's scary enough to have him be um, to to not make fun of him and still have him kill people. I think is what people wanted to have him like a like a Michael Myers type or something. Mm-hmm. That's not scary, but to have this dumbass, this single minded dumbass, that's creepy. It is creepy. Yeah, yeah, and you like see him, you know. The, the moments where he's, like, alone in his apartment, and it's just, like, this kind of stark, white American psycho. Because, you know, he's also a rich kid, and they, they right. didn't soft-pedal that either. You know, he come he came from money. That's the whole reason they wanted him involved in the first place. He was, a, like, a, a sober vegan who... I want to go back to that thing you were talking about. I, I recently heard somebody... Um, or, actually, I was reading this, and it was this idea that... Um, that I thought was really amazing. And it's like in Western cultures in particular, we have this idea that people who are performing are, are faking. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that you and I go over a lot on this when we see people, you know, being what we would call performatively woke on the internet. There's a, there's a hint to us at least of fakery about it because we can tell that these are ideas that people are just trying on and they don't quite fit right, you know, but people mm-hmm. still want to kind of strut around in them. But what this person was saying is that what's so interesting is that in Eastern cultures, like there is no real difference between like performance, 
slash ritual in reality you know like when you think of like shamans who uh dress up in like a deer head or whatever and are doing like a deer ritual it's a performance but also in that moment they're accepted as a deer so i think that what you were saying was so interesting about how if you perform long enough you become who you mm -hmm. and like i had this friend and i won't use his name because he's a he's in jail now but we had this friend when we were in, in school and he was smaller than us and, you know, he's ugly and nobody really liked him. We would do like Jackass was really popular at the time. So we would like, he was the guy who we'd put in the shopping cart and like run the shopping cart into a curb and he would launch right. out into a porta potty, that kind of thing. Um, but he was, uh, he went through this phase where he started doing this thing where he would talk like hood, you know, he started kind of getting into that and we would... We would laugh at him all the time and be like, this kid is small, you know, he's, he's dumb, whatever. That, that's the dude who's in jail right now for murder. Right. Because that yeah. guy, that guy performed so hard. Right. And, you know, and we made fun of him so much, but like that performance eventually, that the performance is, is fake, but it's also extremely real in its own right. way. Because those are the dudes or, again, that you have to watch those out guys, for. Yeah, exactly. Those guys are dangerous. That's that effort, you know, that mm -hmm. effort to be that thing. And I still think I can tell the difference between the one who, who it's, it's, you know, they both end up in the same place. They both murder somebody and they both seem to be these, this thing, but mm -hmm. the, the real thing and the fake thing are still different. Even if they end up in the same place, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, um, did I, I, I was going to tell you about, um, Real quick, the uh, we haven't done the movie Gremlins in a while. Oh, did you get and some drive-through movie Gremlins? No, at the drive-through we actually heard a gunshot, but oh, uh, but we got out of there unscathed. Uh, no, um, as far it was at the Alamo Draft House. Whoa! Did you tattle? Here's the thing, you. I've been thinking about this last a few episodes ago. You said we we talked about how we have this weird aversion to tattling and you know narking that it's really making us unpopular in this you know this moment in time when it's very important to call out people right to be gossipy basically yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. i and i do want to be i want to be part of you know righting wrongs and and, and calling out shit bags but there's this weird thing that my, i i think it's a generation x thing where i have this aversion to telling authorities about somebody doing something wrong uh -huh. and it's i know it makes no sense and it's people are going to be disgusted but anyway you said how you had the same thing but when you're at alamo draft house you can't wait to tell i on love tattling at the alamo draft house dude it is my favorite fucking thing i sit there and i'm like you know what i wish these people would i wish they would talk go ahead try it I got my pencil ready. I bring my own little pink sharpener. It's awesome. <laughs> I lick the tip for some reason. <laughs> so I I wanted I was going to try it out, you know, because I I've had run-ins at theaters before, but I've always um and this isn't some sort of, you know, bragging. I've always dealt with it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh so that one I thought, you know, that's I I really like the way they're hardcore about keeping people quiet and as we've talked about, theaters are getting worse and worse and worse. So I thought, I, I'm going to try it. I'm going to I'm gonna try, try tattling on somebody if it happens. And my friend Nate was in from Pittsburgh. He's never been to the Alamo Draft House. So he's looking around like, holy shit, this place is great. But he's also kind of spooked because he watched the video 
Uh, it shows you, you know, putting a bag over someone's head, like, don't talk in the Alamo draft house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll somebody, somebody getting stabbed in the throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, we'll fucking kill you. And he's so he's being real careful about, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I was going to bring, I was going to take some pictures of this place, but do they allow cameras? You know, he's kind of nervous about it. And uh, so we sit down, and uh, it's Lords of Chaos. So it's got the fucking idiot patrol has come to watch this movie at 11 o'clock at night down in the mission district of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so to our right is what seemed what, at first glance seemed like a band had showed up. I couldn't really tell, but later it turns out that I had that all wrong. But to our right is about three, four dudes and a young woman. And they're very talky through all the previews. And my sister's getting more and more annoyed. She's to my right. And um, Nate's sitting there visibly confused, like, aren't we at the Alamo Draft House? <laughs> like, it's like, I thought they, they fucking killed you for this shit. Yeah, hit the trap door on this shit. So it it kept they, – they kind of quieted down a little bit. The movie starts, and they started doing this thing that I just detest, which is they laughed at everything. Oh, yeah. Dumb, nervous laughter. So even, you know, if something horrible is happening on the screen – could be murder, could be suicide. They they can't help but make a noise because they're just fucking idiots and animals. They're just like, <laughs> right. like, they're laughing at everything. And then they start getting, and maybe that's how they deal with their emotions. They start getting braver and talking about whatever they're seeing. Yeah. And that's when um, my my sister actually leaned over and she goes, because <laughs> there's that moment in the park where uh, – or no, it's before that moment, but two guys are really nose to nose. And one of the guys over there was like, kiss him, <laughs> kiss him and starts talking because uh, they I think they read the book. So they know there's some, you know, gay panic stuff coming. Yeah. So these guys kiss him. Huh? And so my sister goes, hey, are you cool? Are you cool? <laughs> this group of people and which just confused them more. And I thought that was. Yeah, it was kind of like a riddle, you know, yeah. like that. I don't know if that's the best way to shut them up, but it did shut them up for a minute. So then they start. So it worked for a minute. Yeah, this all this all turns to shit, dude. So I'm about, excited. I'm tucked in. I love this. So, okay, so by halfway through the movie, the laughing and the talking starts again, and Aaron reaches for the little piece of paper and uh, to to send the note. You know, if people that don't go to the Alamo Draft House, you write down on a little piece of paper. Whoever is making noise, you put it in a little uh, slot, and you're on your table. Because there's waiters, they're bringing you food and drink all night. They come by and they take the note, and then I guess in silence they'll go deal with the problem. So Aaron's getting ready, my sister's getting ready to to do this. So I sent her a note and said, "We're kind of watching the Lords of Chaos. I feel like they're engaged with the movie. Well, this is what I'm thinking." And I said, "Why don't we give them three strikes?" Because I'm also feeling like I don't want to tattle on anybody. You know, I'm having that. Mo- I'm having a lot of thoughts about it. So she's like, "All right, three strikes." She writes back to me. They just get fucking worse and worse. And um, so <laughs> finally I take the little note and uh, I kind of crowdsourced it with the two of them. Um, and I wrote, t- uh, the table to our right is laughing at shit that's not funny. And I write that on the note. And because I, I figured that's a nice specific complaint. And I figured that it, it lets me feel better about complaining about it. You know, they're, they, they're laughing at shit that's not funny. Okay. So I put that on the uh, on the little thing, and the guy picks it up, and he looks at it, and he's he's like confused, like what does this mean? You know, he's yeah. So he, he looks forward, he says, um, so 
okay, laughing at shit. You know, it's hard to it's hard to tell people what's funny or not. He's like whispering this to me. <laughs> and, I, and he goes, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, but I, I hear you, man. I'm going to take, I'll take care of it. And off he goes. And so Nate and my sister are cracking up because we've, we know we just made it worse. You know, that's just right. going to, that didn't help anything. Right. And, and so they must've, he must've went over and said something to him because they shut up for the remainder of the movie yeah. and then the, the guy comes back and he's he leans in again he's getting my credit card to pay for the the food he's like hey man uh so you know it's really tough to tell people what's funny or not but uh i think but i think you know and this movie brings a weird crowd you know so uh but that's sorry you know we'll do what we can and i'm thinking is this the alamo draft house or is this the alamo draft house come you on, know what bro. i mean come on like this is what you're known for like put a bag over their head right like hit the hit the trap door yeah um so that's why i did that's why you're wrong you got to get full tattletale when i when i heard <laughs> that you wrote that man i was like this dude is a fucking amateur what you got to do <laughs> is you got to get the you got to get the paper out and you got to be like these guys, these guys are talking very loudly and disturbing my experience. And they, no questions asked. They just go right over, boom. And then I just wait. And then I look at the back of their fucking heads, or I like look over and I'm like just trying to fucking figure out, like, because, well, and the thing is too is that it becomes a game, right? So what Alamo has done by doing this is like it is better if you do tattle. But the problem is, is that people see that and these fucking buttholes i'll be kind about it these buttholes just like they take it as a challenge right so they're like oh you know what now i am going to talk to the whole fucking thing right i, I dare somebody to tattle on me because they think nobody will but i will oh yes <laughs> i will well that so that shit gets even a little worse so the movie ends and uh you know it was kind of bearable after that but now we've we've kind of got the giggles because we're thinking about my stupid note that was that got that overthought it, you know. Yeah, right. But again, that's I think I've talked about this before. People that laugh at shit that's not funny drives me up a wall. So right. I really thought that I was blowing the lid off something. So the movie ends. Um, we and we just kind of stand up and like make them have to push past us. And I look at them and it's a bunch of fucking dad types. I thought it was these these like edgy dudes in a band or something. Uh-huh. And it's just these fucking dad looking dudes. And they all kind of push past and, uh, you know, they look kind of sheepish, but also kind of cocky, but in a dad way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the whole thing's it's always unsatisfying at the end. These, these kind of showdowns. So they leave and now it's just us sitting around, you know, I don't, we're acting like we're waiting for the cre- end credit stinger where Nick Fury recruits the Lords of chaos to join yeah, the event. Right. Like we're just lingering. But a lot of people are still in there, too, at their tables. Um, pretty packed house. These guys leave first, though. Um, the waiter comes back again, and he's still clearly trying to work out whatever he was supposed to do. I'm sure he feels like he dropped the ball. He's like, hey, man, you know, it's just weird when you – it's like, you know, what's funny to one person is not he's still dwelling on this shit. And, and Nate and my sister are like, oh, my God, this is unbearable. And so we start talking about it really loud because these guys are gone. We're like, you know, it's just that, you know, there's fucking people. They're so, you know, it's like it's our first movie ever. And they're just, they laugh like fucking idiots. It drives me up a fucking wall. We're getting wound up. Yeah. So and then everybody, most of the other people are shuffling out the door. We finally go outside. We go to the bathroom. We come out. We realize that everyone there was together. It was like this mass group that went to the oh, movie. Oh, man. Didn't. 
they didn't sit together. So that means they all listen to us talking shit. Oh, man, I hate it when I'm trying to, like, talk shit behind someone's back yeah. and, like, they're right there. That sucks, And also dude. I had outed myself as the tattler, right? Yep. By doing that. So they're all standing by the uh, – there's, like, a bunch of pinball machines. They're all standing there together, this whole group. Just looking at you. And I, yeah, and I'm just like, all right, well, I got to own that. So I went over and stood like like one foot away from him and yeah. uh, waited for these other uh, – waited for Nate to get out of the bathroom. And my yeah. sister came over and she's looking at me like, why are you standing next to our sworn enemies? Yeah. And uh, and she's like, is that – wait, is that – who's – and I said, yes, yes, they're all – they're all together. <laughs> the entire – so essentially the, the it's like a fable. It was us against the entire theater, like the whole yeah. theater was wanting us to just leave them the fuck alone. Let them enjoy their movie. Why did we right. have, to, why didn't we think it was funny? You know what right. I mean? Right. But, well, and, and there was a lot of the movie that was funny, but it was that nervous, stupid, chattery laughter. It's like, it's like, dude, I used to Cause live. This guy was thinking this, your, your server dude was thinking that there was like a joke in the movie that you yeah. didn't think was funny, but that was clearly a joke, and that people laughed at the joke that you didn't think was funny, and that that was unacceptable to you. It was a disaster. Yeah. And so everybody just thought I was the problem. Mm-hmm. When I was back in uh, undergrad, I lived in a real shitty apartment that was next to a bunch of actual um, uh, insane asylum patients that yeah. they – it housed these people at this mental health facility in these cheap apartments. Mm. And I, re- and I realized that I don't know if I told you about this before. I realized that that was what was happening because I, um, I would come home and all their doors would be open and they had their beds right next to the wall, next to the door. Mm. It was like, it's like a, it was like a fucking institution. Yeah. Like what is up with these three people that are just chilling with their beds next to their doors? It's so weird. And then the one guy that I live next door to, started yelling at me through the wall and um, like, why aren't you in class? Turn off the water. <laughs> like just crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So I would, so I would start complaining to the landlord about this guy and I would start and that didn't work. So I'd start hammering on his door and, and be like, shut up. What do you do? Shut up. Leave me alone. And long story short, um, when I finally talked to the, uh, to the uh, owners of the property, they're like, yeah, we've heard all about it. You know, the the guy in you know in room twenty five is a p- real pain in the ass. And they're talking about me, of course, because everybody in that hallway only sees me complaining and pounding on this guy's door, whereas everybody that I hear being a problem through the walls, no one knows about, right? Right. right. I know this. This sounds like one of those things that it's like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. But it's true that they thought I was the one who was causing all the problems because I was the I was visibly complaining yeah whereas uh, i couldn't explain that within the confines of the apartment all these insidious voices were driving me crazy <laughs> and out in the hallway when i would finally bring it to light like do you can't you guys hear what's happening they're like yeah that guy's fucking crazy and this they met me this guy's fucking crazy well so my attempt to narc was a disaster so i blame you somehow that's fine you just got to get better at it well i i have to piss like terribly did you want to oh, did you want to keep like, going or do you want to wrap it up this is just like seeing a movie yeah. Um, we can keep yeah, going I mean, if you want. You want to talk about piracy? We talk, yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about I saw Landmine Goes Click and Overlord and Star is Born. I've been watching a lot of movies. Dude. I'll, I'll be back. Go Let's take a quick back. break. Yeah. Okay. And I'm back. And you're back. I go I was through these fucking LaCroix like crazy, dude. I used, to think, I used to think that I drank too much and I was like, oh man, do I just love booze? And then I switched over to LaCroix and... 
Now I just drink these all the time. I just like carbonated <laughs> cold. You, you know like what that I mean? fizz? Because your nose. I love the fizz. It's good. You like popping the popping the top on that? I do. The whole I thing is remember. satisfying. The whole thing is very satisfying. So that means when you when you stayed with me uh, a few months ago when you left a, a pyramid of empty beer cans, yeah, that that could have been a pyramid of Lacroix cans, and which it, means I would have had the exact same um, response waking up like, wow, that's look, at, look at look at what this man built, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's better because you know, like when I switch to Lacroix, I can do the pod and like not get too drunk and like say bad words and <laughs> you know make people mad at me. So it's just it's much better overall. Like I used to like some of our first episodes, I I was like drinking beer while I would do it, and I would like wake up the next day, I'd be like, okay, I got to go edit the podcast, and I would feel like I would have to go back and listen to the whole thing because I was sure that somewhere in there, like that I said the N word or something, I was like, it's gotta be in there somewhere. It was like this, it's, well, I have OCD really bad and you know, just so for the listeners, I have not, I have not said the N word in a very long time. Uh, but I just, I had this, I, I would have this idea in my head, like this OCD, this compulsive idea, right. That I had said it. And that I was going to put the podcast out and there was just going to be a segment in the middle of it of me just like, just singing it like an old time, like, blah, 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 and word, and word, and word, and word. And that, like, and that would be the end of my life at this point, especially with this climate, you know, like everybody would be like, this guy's a racist, he sucks. And, uh, but I think, I think that exact same fear, I think it drives a lot of us, uh, you know, good white people. Um, like the good ones who, who think racism is bad. I think that deep down we're all afraid that like, that we're going to be outed as like a racist, right? Or like as a misogynist or something like that. And I think some people go the complete opposite direction and just like perform so hard. And those are the ones who I look at and I'm like, you definitely have said the N word a lot in your life. You're compensating for something, you know? Yeah, that's, well, that's the one thing that I, um, I'm kind of fascinated by the uh, the people that are that pretend to have, have these perfect untainted lives. I luckily I grew up um, in the '80s where there were, wasn't documentation of all the horrible shit we did. Yeah. Um, but we were ev- just like every other little shitbag in the Midwest. So oh, totally. So, so you know, imagine what you will. Well, but, we would just say – we would say it like with the A, you know? Like we would just kind of like right, – that would right, be like, right. hey, what's up, dude? But we would just say that. Um, and we would like – I think like the bands that we would listen to, like Mindless Self-Indulgence, it was all white people. But they would like use it in their songs. It's a band that would not survive today basically. Right. So we just well, kind of like I... our little like ICP juggalo, like, you know, talking, like using AAVE. We would, we just basically adopted AAVE as like the way that we talk. Very embarrassing. Again, glad that there's no, there was no like real social media back then. But well, that's what drives, that's what kind of drives me crazy, dude, is like the, the, the issue seems to be to White people should admit that they have this racism in their past and in their lives and in their heads. Yep. And I and I agree with that. I agree that 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 the people that pretend or claim that it just does not touch them. That to me, they're re- very close to the people that are like, we don't see color. Mm-hmm. It's just, they don't understand it. But that's how I kind of conflate them. You know that if you say if you pretend to live this pristine life yeah. that you're, you also sound a lot like the people that say, oh, I just don't see color. Well, there's so like, I, don't be- I don't believe you, but let me just finish this thought. I yeah. was just going to say that like, so when, when I see somebody 
get outed for something that they said in the past that was horrifying. Um, and when they come clean and say, yep, that was a piece of shit, you know, mm-hmm. and they and they demonstrate some sort of change. Mm-hmm. I feel like that they've done exactly what they were supposed to do, which is admitted that they had those thoughts and admitted that they were just like the 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 that's the the whole point is admit it. White people should admit that you are you have these thoughts that there is no there is no life without this racism problem. And they're admitting that, yes, you know what I did. It's a problem. But then if you do that, you are destroyed mm-hmm. yeah. once. So nobody would ever admit it. So nobody would ever say anything about it. So that's the same the same kind of thing is you can't. So that just means that there's a lot of people pretending that they've never had this thing taint mm-hmm. their lives. And of course they have. Oh, um, yeah. Especially, like, especially our especially white people, especially these very conspicuously woke people that pretend like it's never, ever They've never had this thing in their lives at all where they've done the wrong thing, but that's that's not what we know. Yeah. But so I, it's, does that contradiction make sense? It does. That, no, I mean, and it's like, admit, and I think they come. That you have these thoughts. Admit that you have them, and then when you admit it, you are now destroyed. Yeah, so well, what? Right. What do you? Do? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and you can't do anything. So it's like, so basically, um, whenever I see tweet, like, because you know, you'll see like a right wing shithead who somebody will get in trouble you know, for, I don't know, saying like retarded or something like that. And then, you know, some right wing guy who you do not want to help you who to be on your team, he'll be like, whomst amongst us has not called things retarded, you know? And you're like, dude, please <laughs> chill out. Off, like, stay, stop. Off my side. Stay, stay out of this. Right. But then it's like, but then you'll, you'll see that tweet. And then right below that tweet, there'll be some performatively woke shithead who will be like, um, well, actually, I've never said that word in my life. I'm like, you are a liar. You are a liar. People forget that all of this happened. All of this changed around 2016. I was going back and deleting my entire Facebook history. Um, I got, I got, you're on the, you're on the case and you're trying to to get off off the grid with all your early shittiness. Oh dude, I was like, I, I, that's exactly what it was. But then I became like addicted to it. It became like a week long project of just going through. And so anyway, in that kind of life review, it was kind of like the Egyptian underworld, like the weighing of the heart. I was like doing that, but on Facebook. Right. And, uh, and yeah, once you get back to like, even, um, Man, it's crazy. It's like, it's just before Trump. Nobody was like this in like 2015. There were like inklings of it, but it really kicked off in, I would say, probably December of 2016. Well, we this is where we should say that without naming names, I've sent you some screenshots of some very prestigious woke uh, heroes and their and their Facebook pages that have some skeevy problematic shit. Oh that, yeah, and, and a lot of people joining in. And I'm just got those in the back pocket for the day that they, you know, go back. If, the thing is, I went I went back to my I joined Facebook like in 2009, so I kind of I joined it so late that I don't have a lot of a lot a lot of the really problematic shit I had on a blog in the 90s, which luckily doesn't exist anymore. Right. But uh, the the worst stuff is I just had a lot of skeevy sex jokes I wished I wouldn't have made. Yeah. Like every I would just wake up in the morning and say, well, who if you haven't made your uh, dick into a watch in the shower, then get the fuck out. You know, <laughs> shit, 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 like, 
just like shit like that. Everybody's like, done that though. Everybody's and I'm like, done why that. Why did I? Why was I saying that publicly? You know? Yeah, because we didn't think it was public. We didn't right. think anybody would care. We didn't think that it would be seen outside of, you know, as well. And that's that is exactly why. When people dig up tweets from 2009 and they're like, look at this piece of shit, I'm like, the world has changed so incredibly over the course of this 10 years. I mean, culturally, it's got to be one of the biggest shifts ever, right? And, you know, yeah. for the better. I mean, I'm not saying that it's bad. That, I mean, it's... Did you it, see that? Uh, you just reminded me of that bit I just saw about... Um... There was a guy, uh, I can't think of the comedian's name. He's well, He was one of the man show hosts. Uh, Adam Carolla? No, keep going. When he was, it was... Jimmy Kimmel? Keep going. The uh, second. Joe the, Rogan? The, the, yeah, no, the other guy, the beast. Doug guy. Stanhope. Yeah. He has this thing where he was talking about people using um, using slurs and how the there's an adjustment to make the uh, clinical words offensive and so then we just adopt the clinical word. It was actually pretty brilliant the way he laid it out when he was talking about originally people would call people morons and an imbecile. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that was a clinical term. That was with the, you know, that would be in the DSM-4 back then right. or whatever. And so then people adopted that to call each other morons and imbeciles. And so they had to adjust to a different, more clinical words. And then the next word was um mentally retarded and then people adopted that to call people mentally retarded and then so they had to shift again the clinical word became like intellectually disabled and and he's and so he was doing this bit where he's like you know what what did you do you just slipped on a banana peel are you fucking intellectually disabled and it's and it's very easy to imagine how constantly everyone will take the next word and make it a make it the slur you know and that, yeah. and that the scientific community will then have to find the new word and that so no matter what word it is we're still giving it we're still putting that nastiness onto it mm -hmm. no matter what it is even if you go back far enough there's always this adjustment and there's always the people adopting the clinical word to make it the the horrible insult um right um not to, i'm not excusing the use of that word i'm just saying that it's it when the way he laid it out um at two in the morning as he, you know, in between his dick jokes, I was like, yeah, genius. I've, I've convinced. He says a lot of really interesting, like he's a, he's an interesting dude, an interesting comedian too. Yeah. He's, he slips in a lot of interesting thoughts in between his like, I'm just an idiot. But yeah, right, right. <laughs> but exactly. Here's, but here's this thing I mapped out on my wall and I've been working on for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you want to talk a little? There's there's a bit of a controversy in the book world, dude. Um, I like how I like how you come back from your piss. We did so well up until that point, and now yeah. we're talking about slurs, and now we're talking about all this horrible shit. And it's now, good though. This is good. Like, this is good content, and it's, it's a free for all. And I know that I'm not drunk, so I know that I'm like not saying anything. What'll happen when I get drunk, dude? Is I'll I'll just start saying things to be like intentionally provocative, and it's a bad. It's a bad look. It's not what I yeah, want well, to do. You're doing what I do when you when you get drunk is like when I have a sip of coffee, which is right. imagine imagine the it's the imaginary argument I'm, I'm having with someone, and then everybody just gets the end of it where I just rant at this person that's not even listening to me, right? Some somewhere in the world, and I just sound like an idiot, mm -hmm. and it's just us responding to the internet essentially. Mm -hmm. But what what is this piracy thing? I've managed to somehow duck it. Uh, I haven't been on Facebook lately because of the baby. But, uh, uh, yeah. uh, so what, the pirates are back? Pirates well, are the... so basically, um, you know. Like, I kinda... like the 
like the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Neighborhood yes. Watch. Yes. Neighborhood Watch don't like what it's seeing. Yeah, basically. I mean, I I kind of have uh, have been saying recently that like that I just kind of don't care if people pirate my books, um, which has led to some kind of like interesting. Like people getting like really mad at me and unfriending me for that. Um, but then what happened was, oh no, uh, oh no, Don't, yeah, not yeah. the unfriend. Not the Dude, unfriend. I I used to get emails that would say, uh, they would Google alerts that my stories were published somewhere or that my name was mentioned in an interview or something. Mm-hmm. Now the only Google alerts I get are to tell me that my books are pirated, yeah. and I, I get them once a week. It'll say. I'll see the name of a book and I'm like, oh, sweet. Did somebody review it? And it's like, nope. <laughs> nope. It's available in Russia. And this pirate, and this pirate bay download for free. Yeah. yeah it's on, it's on like poopalley.com or something the, like that. The sad thing is I have that same level of excitement. Like, oh, the pirates use my name. Sweet. That's awesome. You know who I am? I wonder if they're thinking about me. Um, but anyway, so like, uh, I don't know if I really want to use anybody's name. Um, Everybody will know who it is anyway. But another guy, a friend of mine, basically went on Twitter and said, like, hey, piracy is a, a problem, but it's not going to go away. So we need to think of a of a way to kind of deal with this uh, like adults, you know. And uh, another author, a horror guy, um, just became sort of like incensed about this and like quote tweeted him. See how embarrassing the story's getting already? Um, so gross. And, uh, and it's just, was just like, fuck this bullshit. And he had kind of a pile on because, you know, he sort of has, uh, some of his fans are people who I've known who are just like hangers on and who, who are like, yeah, you know what, man, you, you are so right about this. You are. So, and then the thing that kind of like made me go crazy was the amount of authors who, who, kind of like took this high and mighty stance about like that's taking money out of my pocket and it's like nobody's reading your shit dude I know. who are you what are you talking about nobody's reading your fucking shit everybody takes this this is my the whole thing about writing is that people take this shit so seriously and at the end of the day it's kind of goofy right like it's just sort of like people are, are like you know i put in you know blood sweat and tears into this and it's like i've never bled sweat or cried while I was writing anything, you know. It's like my shit is mostly just like. Plus, what are the the people at the top, or what? What did they say? The average professional authors making like twenty grand a year tops. Something nobody, like that. nobody's retiring from this shit. Everybody, nobody's got any fucking. It's it's like what do you? You're all hobbyists. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was one of the criticisms leveled at my friend was that like, oh, this is a hobbyist's complaint because. Once you go out and you make this your life and you have to, like, like fight for it. And, like, when I read that kind of shit, I'm like, bro, nobody asked you to do that. There's perfectly good jobs. over. Like, I have one. <laughs> I have a regular one. I was talking to, to – Kel- Kelby won't mind if I mention his name. But I was talking to Kelby privately, and he had a great point about it because Kelby is a dude who lives in Houston uh, who's written some pretty great books uh, for Broken River. But he also builds cabinets. That's kind of like his main job. He goes from place mm-hmm. to place. He builds these beautiful cabinets. And he's like, he's like, first of all, the cabinets that I build have a lot more utilitarian value than anything that I've ever written, right? Mm-hmm. We just want to be honest about it. And he's like, and the thing is, dude, once I get done building a set of cabinets for a new house, I have to go and build another set of cabinets. It's not like I build one set of cabinets and it's like pay me for these cabinets in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Uh and I thought that that was just really a great way to kind of look at it. For me, at least, 
and people are more than welcome to disagree with me on this, but for me at least, it takes a lot of the pressure off and it feels like I have more fun writing when I just like accept that I'm not going to be doing this to like make a living at it. You know, mm-hmm. like I like having a regular job because it kind of like, it gives me something banal to focus on and right. it, like it brings in a steady paycheck and it's not my passion, but it's just something that I do. Cause I think that human beings deep down are kind of supposed to do that. Like we're kind of supposed to have like a lot of our time taken up with just menial tasks. Well, that's, well, that's the thing that it's a debate in our house too, as far as, uh, my generation, you weren't your job. Your job was somebody trying to steal your time. Mm-hmm. And you, once you found a way to trick them into paying for your life, you left for the day and you never thought about it again. And um, my wife's philosophy is she's very much her job and that is also her interests. Mm-hmm. And that it, that means that she doesn't ever really get off work and she thinks about it constantly and her research involves it and she writes a book that's directly involved with her job. Mm-hmm. And the two of us have this – I just came from the, the idea of they, a job is stealing your life and you, you are not what you do. So when I hear like your friend who had that very noble description of building those cabinets – I'm just kind of jealous because I worked construction for a, about a day and then someone threw a hammer at me and said, go stack the plywood, faggot. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I quit the next day right. or, I, or I could talk about, you know, hey, at least I, I build houses. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I come from a time when it doesn't matter what you do. I kind of have this inherent suspicion or derision of it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like I, so even when it comes to writing – when it becomes your job, I feel like at that moment, if that ever would happen to me, which it won't, that I would have even more disgust for it because yeah. it's because that's just the way I am. And I maybe I'm I'm not saying I'm one of those people that's humans were not meant to work, but I I kind of think like I was not meant to work. Right. right. <laughs> and, and if you and anything that is my living or my life as job means that I'm going to be the biggest critic of it of all instead of saying this is the great this thing must be respected and I think it comes back to that you know I have I have uh, psychological problems but anyway go ahead no no I don't think you have psychological <laughs> problems I really love that a lot and I think that uh, we disagree on the idea that like whereas I think that you know people probably have to have some kind of menial task that they do to like kind of put them in a state of mind that allows them to really be creative. Uh, so th- that's, I would, that's I would like agree a, with that, though. I mean, I that's kind of like that. a minor quibble. But like, I think we agree on the idea that, and this is exactly how I feel too, and I don't know if it's because I have irony poisoning or if I just like, or if I just think that having a fucking job is lame and to be like proud of it is lame, but to be like, I'm a working writer who I cash the checks uh, because I make, I do the writing. Right. I'm like... Who cares, man? Like, dude, I, I would admit, I would agree with you. The happiest I ever was was landscaping. I had headphones on, and no one talked to me, mm-hmm. and I came home more creative than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if that negates everything I just said before, but that's the beauty of this podcast. It's just yeah, we're just <laughs> spitballing here, bro. We're just spitballing. Shit, shit, shit don't make sense. But there's something particularly gross about the quote author and also to take it another step further and this is what gets me so much about people who kind of fall strictly into this kind of hierarchy where they 
because the thing that bothered me particularly, and you know, that this dude and and my friend have made, kissed and made up, so I don't want to like cause any more problems here. But my problem with with this guy is that you know he he sort of picked on this like small press, and it's like you never see these dudes picking on like Stephen King or Neil oh, Gaiman. Yeah, you, they, never they never go after him because they everybody never, respects yeah. this fucking hierarchy, and it's just like so they've gross. just fallen into the same structure that they would have. It's like you know what, you guys are middle managers. You guys are like the people who walk into work and who you know, to bring up tattling again, who like tattle because somebody used too many coffee pods. You know, you're supposed to only use two, but somebody was using four or something like yeah, that. Well, I don't understand why they don't have that inherent disgust with people that are above them. Right. Like where isn't that? Shouldn't I hate that be, people that, who are that more should, successful than me. I think sometimes it gets confused with us being haters, but I, there is something like just add success to success and i kind of hate you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i I don't think it's just because of jealousy which is certainly part of it but i also just think like who the fuck do you think you are (laughs) immediately immediately when i see some sort of success it's It's like you're so proud of yourself because why because you were able to play the game successfully like get the fuck out of here who cares and then then yeah and those fucking dudes you know as soon as some success hits, they start talking to you like they're your dad and shit. It's like I'm fuck, I'm two years older than you, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. Right, right. Because it's like, you it's like the victory lap thing. It's like you want to know how I got my book published? Oh, my book's coming out. Let me tell you about how I got it published. And the story is the same every time. It's like oh, I just talked. Look like, at this. Look at this unique set of circumstances that somehow laid out perfectly for me. Right. You can you can do it too, just by being me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's just this whole cottage industry of just like self-help gurus telling everybody else like how they can succeed and it's like not only this is where dude we're getting goth now now we are the true lords of chaos because we're because <laughs> what we're saying here is that like you should not want to be to be that like that's not what you should want to be right yeah and I, you know hey and when i whenever it, the 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 second somebody waves a check that has like more than two zeros on it i'm taking oh, I it i can't wait and to i'm be i am jumping on it <laughs> And then like, and then people can go back to this and be like, "You fucking hypocrite!" And I'm like, "Don't even make me go through my rant about how we're all hypocrites." Yeah, a hundred percent. I would take it, but I hate my you. hypocrisy knows no bounds. Dude. No bounds whatsoever. I, I fucking. It's the only thing I can hang on to, really. Yeah, you know, and even though we point this out, there will still be people who listen to this and they're like, "You guys are hypocrites." It's like, yeah, we literally fucking said that. Like, we get that every episode where we point out our flaws, and then somebody's like, "Hey, you have this flaw." It's like good. You're, like yeah, and your we listening just point, comprehension is fucking amazing. We just point to the court reporter, and, and the, the glasses uh, go up, and they find the spot, and they're like, "Read it back to me." Yes. <laughs> and we do, of course, realize that this is just a way to hedge our bets for any possible. Oh, <laughs> any if we fail, criticism. if we fail, then we were right all the time, and if we yeah. were wrong, then we have a shitload of money and success, and we can be like, "Damn, I guess we were, I guess we were fucking wrong about that." Whoa, that's that sucks. What's, that's what's known as a win-win. Yep. Yep. You want to talk about this landmine goes boom movie or oh that fucking movie, dude? Oh my god, I don't even know if I can talk about that movie. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was a if it was a foreign movie with um, some grimy, uh, sketchy kind of European Russian uh, dudes all through it. It probably would have been good as like a exploiter, but mm-hmm. with with these kind of fresh faced Americans. Um, it, it just fell really flat. The, the thing is the premise is right in my wheelhouse though. The idea of 
for anybody who's seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. The it's, it's a low budget movie where people are camping. The dude steps on a landmine, uh, and he can't take his foot off of it, so he's stuck there. And while he's stuck there, a uh, crazy drunken Russian dude wanders by and rapes his girlfriend in front of him, and, and he can't leave the landmine. And then other things happen, and. I know that sounds really revolting, but I'm also fascinated by things where people are stuck, where people are trapped and Mm -hmm. people turn, turn into savages and that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had high hopes in a, in a gross midnight movie exploitation kind of way, but it's somehow much worse. It's like nothing is handled right. The leads are not believable and the gimmick is not is not handled well. Like they don't commit to it. And there's a convoluted plot to get the kid on the landmine. Like I just wanted him to be him to just step on a landmine and then like, Oh fuck now what happens? But instead it's this complicated subplot about how he had slept with his best friend's girlfriend. And so the guy planned it with a fake landmine for the kid to step on. So he sets up this photo op where he makes him walk over to step on it. But then when he steps on it, it isn't armed. But then he pulls the pin later after he tells him about it. And then he says, now it's armed. And then, But it's still fake because it was all just a joke to get back at him for fucking his girlfriend. And you're thinking, like, why do you need any of that? You had the... You had me at Landmine. <laughs> you know? Dude, what about this? What about this? What if it's a movie that's exactly like Landmine goes click, but and every the same shit happens, but it's just a dude who's like reached his hand into a cookie jar and it gets stuck <laughs> and he like refuses to take his hand out because he can't, he wants the cookie and then like this Russian guy walks by and like is assaulting his girlfriend and he's like no and he just like he's stuck he can't get his hand out of the cookie Isn't jar. That, I think. Allegedly, I think that is a subgenre of pornography where people get stuck in things. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, oh alleged, wow. allegedly, allegedly. Wow, like a like a dog, like when a dog gets stuck like, in another dog, or like... or no, like stuck in a dog door, and then someone uh-huh. comes by and they're like, "Hey, can I help you get out of there?" Oh, and I see what's going on here. Yeah, call me call me crazy, but isn't 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 that rape? <laughs> isn't uh, that... Yeah, it is. There was this comic called Four Women back in the day by a guy named Sam Keith. He was this artist who did. Uh, remember the Max? Oh this yeah, big those big go- those those Goonie like not the anatomy's all fucked up characters. Yeah, I remember that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so he did the, he did. Uh, he had some really kind of surreal, weird... Con- he did one called My Inner Bimbo, which is really worth checking out. But he did this one called Four Women, and it's about women, these women who get into a car crash. And one of them is like, wait, are they in a car crash or not? Anyway, one of them ends up getting stuck like that, like in a window. And a guy comes by, and it gets real dark like that. So this must just be a thing that people have been thinking about for a long time. You know, and Actually, like, I just... I don't know why it took me this long to make the connection, but that's kind of the plot of Last Projector, and I totally forgot about it. Oh, yeah. With the, with the paramedics, and ugh, never mind. Ah, oh, whoops. End, of, end of interview. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I can't really He's stomping out, and he sees that somebody's kind of gotten like sort of like stuck in a door, and he's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's so. Long story short, I can't really recommend that movie. Hold on, yeah. I'm plugging this computer's dying. Um, the uh, but the one, the really skeevy Russian dude that, that's in the uh, that's like the villain. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's he's actually a really good actor. I think uh, I think he had high hopes for the project. He really threw himself into the role. Sure. And he's he's he suffers and makes others suffer in a believably gross way. He doesn't look traditionally scary. Mm-hmm. He's got glasses. He's kind of schlumpy. Mm-hmm. But he he commits to it. And I just kept thinking, why didn't this whole movie should be these people? <laughs> it shouldn't mm-hmm. be like I was telling you uh, when I first saw it. It was. It reminded me of watching that show, Hey Dude. Yeah, with yeah. just some some American teens and their and their their attempts to talk about their suffering just did not. I didn't believe it for a minute. Yeah, that's that's always a really tough. I call it like uh, you know, there's there's shows that that should be interesting to me, but when you have everybody on the show looks like a fucking model, it's a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like I just I don't care about any of these people's problems at this point. It's like you're too good looking. You don't and have it wasn't, that many problems. It was just poorly made. I feel like on paper, it, it, put in the hands of a stylist, it would have been good. Mm-hmm. But at, but as a like um, like a very realistic depiction of that this camping trip gone gone wrong with no real like it needed some structural tomfoolery. You know, it needed some mm-hmm. needed something to fuck with it because basically the plot is that happens. Uh, while the girl is being raped, he gets a gun and he shoots at the Russian, but he accidentally kills her. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, so then he's traumatized by all this. Then the then he uh, passes out and he wakes up, and the Russians like, uh, "You Americans have seen too many movies. Uh, landmines blow up when you step on them. This is a dud." And then he leaves. And so the kid wakes up, and then it fast forwards a few months, and he's found where the Russian guy lives. He goes into the Russian guy's house and then he proceeds to torture his family while he watches to get him back. Right. So uh-huh. so that sounds like, you know, it sounds like a very it sounds like a foreign exploitation movie, doesn't it? Like, it does. you know, yeah, Mars or funny games or one of those. Man, it makes me just so uncomfortable. Even you talking about it. I just I hate watching movies like that. I don't like watching like rapes or torture. Or, I don't know, man. I'm especially when it's like the the american doesn't sell it like he's right. he's supposed to be this wild-eyed giggling maniac having him at gunpoint and he just no you don't believe it for a second right um, um and that's that's kind of the end of it but then they don't know what to do with the ending cuz he can't really emulate the situation exactly so then the american's like we're going to play russian roulette now haha it's like what, what is this movie what are you mm-hmm. doing that what is that cuz you have to wrap it up and then the russian's like in russia we just call it Roulette. Roulette. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, landmine goes click. Landmine goes a dud. Um, but you know what? That's a that's a beautiful title. What a critic proof title. I watched it because that title cracked me up. Yeah, yeah. That's that should have been. It is good. It's good. Good title. But yeah, man. Um, landmine goes click. And I watched Overlord. I got nothing to say about it. Decent zombie kind of deal. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I feel like 10 reviews tonight would be too many. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this was a high, it was getting high energy. Well, we touched on a lot of subjects here. We had a lot of hot takes. Um, we did. We got these takes burning. We had a movie gremlin. I hope. Yeah, we had a movie gremlin. You know, At this point, you know, I'm just like, I think probably on average about 100 people listen to this. And I'm just realizing at this point, like I used to, I used to get really kind of nervous about stuff, and now I'm just like, you know what? Nobody cares. I can just say whatever. It's fine. 
Say whatever. You know what I mean? So the, the takes are just going to get hotter and hotter. <laughs> but that's the thing. That, you know, actually, honestly, man, I'm cooling down on the takes. I don't really like, I think, I feel like I do have a lot more nuance, but uh, I don't know. I'm tired. I'm rambling. I like uh, I like how the the rambling turn it took. I think that uh, I think that the the mid show piss was good for you. Yeah, it, it was. You, you pissed out all your inhibitions and you came back. Yeah, like, you know just... you know what bugs me? <laughs> Racial <people>. slurs were <laughs> successful people. <laughs> Piracy. You're like, you're like flipping through whatever is, <laughs> is tre- trending on Twitter. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Well, just to just to make sure everybody's clear, I'm not a fan of racial slurs. I just I just think that people oh, no. people who pretend like they've never oh, said no. them are I'd liars. Pull, pull on the ripcord. I'm pulling the pin on the fucking landmine. <laughs> oh, all right, dude. How about hey, Dave, that's Dave, a wrap. Dave. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, man. That's cool. Fun.